So I have this cold and I want to sneeze. So nothing better than a microphone microphone sneeze. So I'll try not to. There we go. Uh, the Bible has lots of imagery and metaphors and parables uh, about us. And we're called lots of things. One of the things we're called is clay. Uh, which, alright. Then there's wheat and tares. And then there's the sheep thing. And I don't know that I like being called a sheep. Do you? I'm not sure. I just doesn't... Of all the animals, surely there's a better one than sheep. Uh, that's a sheep. A bighorn sheep. As you think about sheep, um, they're not fast. And, like, they could bite you, I guess. But it's not... But those horns right there, and if you got smacked with those, has anybody here ever been smacked with bighorn sheep horns? Right. It's possible, not likely. I was thinking about wild sheep and these, and, and then here's another sheep. This one's main defense is that fur. It's hard to bite all the way through that and do any real harm. But mostly when we think of sheep, we think of this or something similar, right? And then in honor of Sarah, I found this one. <laughs> I can't tell if that's pink or orange, but I liked it. So I, I, I brought it to church this morning for show and tell. Sheep. They don't have much in the way of defense, right? Run, hide, uh, climb places where it's hard to go. Um, they don't have fangs. They're not that smart. Sheep need a shepherd. So when the Bible talks to us about being sheep, reluctantly, I have to agree we're not all that smart or that quick or we don't really have great defensive weapons or we kind of huddle up and do stupid things as a group. Right? Like, if I'd have told you that we were going to spend the past two weeks talking about football players and flags, would you have believed me? But that's what the nation's talked about for two weeks. Football players and flags. <laughs> We're sheep. We need a shepherd. Um, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Um, as I was researching and studying Psalm 23 and preparing for today, I found a lot of commentary about people who don't like Psalm 23. And... and I get it because you could read everything and take it from a different perspective. And so they, they talk about this verse and say, wait a minute, I lack all kinds of things. And you know, from an earthly human perspective, that's the way we think, isn't it? Is that we lack all kinds of things? I need, and if I had this, and then, and 
I hate to tell you, and I don't want to offend you, but I don't care. You do have everything you need. You really do. You're thoroughly equipped. So as you face life, the one excuse you don't have is that you don't have what you need to do it. You really do. You have it. Because you have a shepherd. And your shepherd, let's look at it this way. If people are sheep, every sheep has a shepherd. There's no way around that. Some people may or may not know their shepherd. And some people may have all kinds of different things like the media or politics or something else to be their shepherd. But you know what we can say or me, what I can say is the Lord is my shepherd. I don't know who yours is, but the Lord is mine. He's my shepherd. Now, this word my and mine, we sang that earlier in some songs and I just want to say, you know, I refer to Lana as my wife. That does not make her my possession. Right? Like my car or my shoes or, or when I talked about Lana as my wife, it's not that I own her. Right? But it's that we belong together. And that's the way it is with my shepherd. I don't own him, but he's mine. I identify with him. Right? Everywhere I go, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, who is this Lord? Well, the Lord, many times in the Old Testament, is referred to as God Almighty. Another translation calls that the God of the angel armies. I like that. I like that name for God. The angel armies, which are incredibly severe and powerful. That's the Lord. He's the God of them. He's the God of us. The God who spoke things into existence, that's my shepherd. The great I am, that's my shepherd. He has everything. Is there any place I could go and find a better shepherd than I have in the Lord is my shepherd? It's the best, the ultimate shepherd. Because I have the ultimate awesome Lord as my shepherd. I don't lack anything. Everything I need. Everything that could be used to do what's required of me, I have. Now, I can look around and do inventory and not see things that I have. Does that mean they're not there? The whole, is the glass half full or the glass half empty kind of a concept. It's neither. The glass and everything in it belongs to my shepherd. I don't need to evaluate whether it's half full or half empty. I lack nothing because the Lord is my shepherd. Everything I need, everywhere I go, every decision, every thought, every story I enter into, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't lack anything. Verse 2, this is Psalm 23 this morning. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Now, the ones that don't like this, they emphasize the word make. He makes me lie down. 
Those of you who have worked with animals, you know, you bend their ear over and you grab it with a pair of pliers and you squeeze really hard and they'll do almost anything they want that you want them to do, almost. Many of us have that picture of the Lord is my shepherd. He's got my ear folded over. He's squeezing it and twisting it with his pliers, making me lie down. That's not it at all. That's not the picture at all that's here. If you weren't in green pastures, where would you be? Weeds, rocks, trash, parking lots, all kinds of silly places that you would take yourself without a shepherd. But with a shepherd, we're in green pastures. You know when sheep lie down? When they're full. Here we are in green pastures, eating everything that we need, and then we can lay down. My ear is not bent over. He's not twisting. In fact, God is not that way at all. If there's anything I know about God, it's this. He is the ultimate gentleman. He invites. He coaxes. He doesn't make. He's given us free will to choose to love him. Does he want us to love him? Absolutely he does. Does he make me? No. He does not. Here I am in the green pastures. Lush meadow of green. Because my shepherd brought me here. He, he leads me beside quiet waters. Sheep are not known for their swimming ability. Right? And if you think of a rushing mountain stream, sheep, they don't do well in that. Especially the ones with all the wool on them. They need still quiet waters. The negative side of this said, he's got me at stagnant waters? No, it's not stagnant. Still, cool, clear, refreshing water that you need, that I need. Um, green pastures, quiet waters. Good food, good drink, safety of the shepherd. Now we can lie down. Because he refreshes my soul. He restores my soul. Uh -huh. Let's leave the pasture for a moment. We'll come back. What do you have to do this afternoon? How long do you have before you have to go do it? Then what do you got tonight? And then what time do you have to be at work tomorrow or school tomorrow? Um, the dishes are still dirty from last night, right? And there's laundry is overflowing. And the grass needs cut. And the car needs tires. And the roof is leaking. And, and the kids need a bath. And you have soccer tomorrow. And then scouts the next day. And then basketball is the day after that. Um, then you have to go shopping. And, and hurry up. Right? That is the pace of this world. Hurry up. You do not have the luxury to slow down. Because the world is nipping at your heels. Hurry up. Go faster. It doesn't matter how fast you go. The call of the world is more. 
Do it more. Aren't you a good parent? Don't you love your kids? Won't you take them to this and take them to that? And, and you need this. And, and then we go to content. Okay? I long for the days when I was a kid that all you could get yelled at was watching too much TV. These days, very many of us watch too much TV. We've replaced it with everything else. Right? Oh, for the days when there was just the TV and three channels. Now we have Facebook. How long does it take to get to the bottom of Facebook? No one knows. We've never gotten there. How about Netflix? You like Friends? Get on Netflix. All ten seasons are there and you can watch them all back to back. Got some time to kill? Watch your favorite episodes. They call it binging, right? Or YouTube. If you want to learn anything or know anything or be fascinated, YouTube is the place to go. Or, or for some of us, how about that book that you can't put down? You only have a couple more pages. It's almost... Or... Uh, doesn't end, does it? The content of this life and how we can observe something in a, on a 2D screen in front of us. There's no end to it. And then, so now we're busy, and now we're watching things all the time, and then we hit the tragedies of life. Hurricanes, floods, earthquakes, tsunamis, fires, accidents, illness. Don't you care? Have you contributed to Puerto Rico yet? It's overwhelming, isn't it? But it doesn't stop there. Then we come to the social issues. What about poverty and veterans issues and health care and racial stuff and patriotism and politics and taxes and school budgets and environmental issues and gender identity and sexual orientation and your rights and your freedoms and tyranny and socialism and fascism. Oh, I wish it ended there. On top of all that, you have to be the world's greatest mom. Or the world's greatest dad. Or the best neighbor, or the best church member, or the best citizen, the best Christian, the best farmer. You have to keep up appearances. Get to work. Hurry up. Don't you care? Why aren't you doing more? It's exhausting, isn't it? It's exhausting for me. I don't know about you, but it wears me out in my own life, and it wears me out watching everybody else scurry. Marty gave me the best visual of it of the week. He opens the grain bin, and it's full of rats, and when the door opens, the rats scurry, but they can't get out, so they just run in circles. What a rat race right we need our souls to be refreshed we need to be restored we need green pastures and still waters we need to follow our shepherd and listen will it cost you to leave the rat race yes Yes, you'll be those parents.
right? The ones who don't love their kids enough to make them be professional soccer players by the time they're six. You'll be them. You'll be the people that, that say, no, I'm sorry, we can't go tonight. You'll be the people that, that have to take time off to go to the green pasture and the still water so that the Lord can restore your soul. But this is not optional. If you want to have life, you have to have your soul restored. You can't live the way the world lives and have life. You'll have busyness, but you won't have life. And you sure won't have freedom. And this is very disruptive, especially at first. But in the long run, it's the only way to survive. And not only can you survive, you can actually thrive by following the shepherd as he leads you to the green pastures and quiet waters and restores your soul. We need a shepherd desperately. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. In this me-centric world, we think that everything the good shepherd does is for my sake. Right? He leads me on the right path for me. No, he leads me on the right path for him. He needs me. He takes me where he wants me to go because he needs me there for his sake. It's his reputation that is at stake, not mine. So he guides me along the right path. Now, what is the right path? Most of us think the right path is the path where things go as intended. The right path is the path where things just work out. The right path is that if I go to church, if I take my kids, if I give my money, if I read my Bible, then life will be good. That's just not true. We're going to get to the verse that says I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Which is after we've acknowledged that he's taking me on the right path. The right path may not be easy at all. In fact, I doubt if it will be easy. If you want the easy, broad road, or do you want the narrow, twisty road that few find? If you're looking for easy, I don't know what to tell you. We're all dying for the easy button. And Jesus is lots of things, but Jesus is not the easy button. He's the life button. He's the freedom button. He's not the easy button. And anything in life that you find that looks like the easy button, it's a counterfeit lie. It leads back to that pit of the rat race. The struggle for what? It's like running on the treadmill. You don't get anywhere. That's what that life leads. But my shepherd, he leads me on the right path. He takes me where I need to go. Is Jesus leading you? There's only one answer, and it's yes. He's leading you. He leads you. No question. 
Now, I probably won't understand the path I'm on. And maybe I never will understand the path I'm on. And I, I, I read this quote, and it just keeps... I'll bark you the quote, but I'll get the point right. You can pursue understanding, or you can pursue God. If you pursue understanding, you probably won't get understanding or God. But if you pursue God, maybe someday you'll get understanding. But you'll always have God. And as we look at the things that come in life, why did this happen? Boy, I do not know. I don't know why. God, I need you. You want to know why? Or you want to have God? I don't know why this is the right path. Maybe when we get to the destination, we'll know. Can you trust the shepherd while you're on this path? You don't really have a choice, but I wish that you would. Verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I wish that we could escape the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death. I wish that place had a barred no entry sign on it, but it doesn't. If you're not there now, you'll get there again. So here we are in the darkest valley. And there's a word that I really am glad is in this verse. Through. I walk through the darkest valley. I don't live in the darkest valley. I'm walking through the darkest valley. I don't know how long or how wide the dark valley is you're in. I just know that the path you're on is going to lead you through the darkest valley. That implies there was an entrance and there will be an exit. So here we are, maybe in the middle of the darkest valley. And I will fear no evil. Now I don't know about you, but I've been on this journey of spiritual warfare. And when I started this journey of spiritual warfare, I didn't believe in it. And then I saw it a little bit, and then I saw it a little bit more, and now it's like there's an evil spirit behind every bush. Everywhere I look, I see spiritual warfare going on. And the tendency, the human tendency, is to say, oh my God, we're not going to make it. <clears throat> evil is everywhere. But as I've continued this journey of spiritual warfare, I've discovered that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And he gives that authority to me in his name. And so when t somebody tells me they're under spiritual attack, I go, Phew, I thought it was going to be something hard. Now, I don't mean to diminish anything you're under. But I want you to know, by the power of Jesus' name, when you bring the cross of Jesus and his blood against evil, evil will flee. It might come back, but it will flee. You do not need to be afraid of evil. I will fear no evil. 
Because of me? No. Because of my shepherd. My shepherd has a rod and a staff. You know what the rod's for? Beating enemies. Think baseball bat. The wolves come to get the sheep. And the shepherd bangs them over the head. Sheep are safe. The rod is a scary, scary thing to evil. But the shepherd doesn't use the rod on the sheep. The shepherd uses the staff on the sheep. You know that crook at the top of a shepherd's staff? You know what that's for? To snatch you around the neck and pull you up out of the ditch you fell in. So the rod is for your protection. The staff is for your salvation. That comforts me. I don't know about you. But here I am in this valley of the darkest shadow. The valley of the shadow of death. There's evil all around. And me and the shepherd are just cruising right on through here. Is it dangerous? Yes. Is it treacherous? Yes. Is it risky? Yes. And I will fear no evil because my shepherd is with me with his rod and staff. And no matter what comes around the next bend in this darkest valley, my shepherd is with me. He's got my back. He's got my front. He's got my sides. He's above me. He's below me. He's equipped to take care of me. And I lack nothing. I may not always be in green pasture. But even then, my shepherd is with me. And you know what comes after the shadow, the valley of death? More green pasture. More still waters. More restoring of my soul. Maybe even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. But then, verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. What's it mean to have a table prepared in the presence of my enemies? Okay, so the naysayers said, why would I want to eat in front of my enemies? That's going to be not safe. And that's not a, that's a dumb idea. Okay. The table is prepared in front of your enemies because your enemies have been captured. They're in captivity now. And the ultimate insult to the enemy is for you to lay out a big spread right in front of them. See, enemy, you have no power to influence or disrupt this feast we're going to have. That's the picture here. The table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's not because my enemies are still a threat. It's because my enemies have been defeated. And we're now humiliating the enemy. Here, watch his feast in your presence. You are no threat to us any longer, enemy. And my shepherd prepares a table. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of the shepherd preparing a table. An old cracked plate and a piece of bread and a dirty glass of water. No, that's not the picture here. This is a table that's been prepared. Linen, those plates that go under your plates to catch whatever falls off of your plate. More silverware than you could possibly use. 
glasses, drinks, food, desserts. This is a feast that my shepherd has prepared for me and for you. In front of my enemies who've been defeated because we've been crowned victorious. That's what anoint my head with oil means. Prophets, priests, and kings get anointed. He anoints my head. The sheep is the prophet, priest, and king. Just like Jesus, that's what we are. He anoints our head. Um, My cup overflows. Again, here was the negative naysayer saying, well, who's going to clean up the mess? I don't care about the mess. The point is, there's more than enough. My cup overflows. There's going to be a party and it's a feast and my defeated enemies are going to sit there and observe the whole thing as I am anointed and my cup overflows. You're special. This feast is for you. The shepherd loves you. He cares for you. It's more than sufficient. Verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely it will follow me all the days of my life. Shepherd is not leaving me. He's not kicking me out of the herd. He's not abandoning me. Matter of fact, Jesus told the story about one sheep that got lost. And the shepherd left the 99 to come and get the one. We have such a good shepherd. Surely his goodness and love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace will follow me all the days of my life. Not follow behind me. Go with me. Right? It's with me. All the days of my life. All the days of my life. Even when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, the shepherd is with me, his rod and staff, and his goodness and love are right there with me. All the days of my life. Doesn't matter what my day holds. It has my shepherd leading me. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I've spent time in a motel. I sleep there. I don't dwell there. See what I'm saying? I spent the night on somebody's couch. I didn't dwell. The house of the Lord... It's my home. It's where I get to dwell. It's where I belong. It's my people. It's who I am. When I'm in the house of the Lord, that is home to me. Now, I don't know what home means to you. But in this context, the table is spread for me. I've been anointed. I belong here. God's goodness and mercy, His love is with me. All the time. And whenever I am in the house of the Lord, that's home. I dwell there. I belong. I belong here in the house of the Lord. Forever. I'm not good at math, but I understand forever. Right? 
Now, I've been talking a lot about me and my shepherd. And I don't mean to be exclusive. He can be your shepherd too. He's got other sheep. Not just me. Is the Lord your shepherd? You need a shepherd. And if the Lord is not your shepherd, you have an inferior shepherd. No offense to you and your shepherd. But the Lord is my shepherd. And the Lord can be your shepherd if he's not. The invitation is wide open from Jesus to come and see. Come and see what it's like. See, Jesus said that his sheep would know his voice. He'd call them by name. That's the invitation Jesus has for you. He knows you. Calls you by name. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23. I get so tired of the world and of the things in the world. And it just wears on you. Right? It's like I got this little cold right now and it's just wearing me down. And life is that way, right? It just wears us down. And I need to be restored. And that's what Jesus has to offer us. So, how's your soul? What condition do you find it in? Are you stuck on the wheel, the rat race? You can get off. You can find life and freedom in Jesus as the good shepherd leads you on a different path than you're on. Where you can let go of the things that feel so important, but they have no life and you don't need them. And you can trade that for the green pastures and quiet waters where he can restore your soul. Now I have found, and it's amazing to me, and I don't understand it, but I don't have to understand, that when I'm overwhelmed, I pray one little thing. Oh Jesus, restore my soul. I can't tell you how even just saying those words, it's like putting more air in my balloon. I can just start to feel things fall off of me. Now, there's a lot more than that. You need to care for your heart. You need time of quiet. When was the last time you sat down and did absolutely nothing? I don't mean sit down and read a book. I don't mean sit down and watch YouTube. I don't mean sit down and pray. I mean sit down... And do nothing. If it's an option, go outside and do that. Breathe in, breathe out. Let God come to you. Listen, He'll speak. Restore my soul.
we have an amazing shepherd. He loves you and wants to restore you and refresh you. It's an option. But he's not going to do it while you're running on the rat race. You've got to break out a little bit. You've got to say, here I am. Shepherd, lead me. And he will. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the good shepherd. And we love you. We thank you for leading us beside green pastures and still waters. Oh, Jesus, restore our soul. Restore my soul. Jesus, we have so many things that need to be done. Important things. Lead us along the right path. Take us to the things that you want us to go to. We consecrate ourselves to you, Jesus. We give you our calendar, our day planner, our time. We give you the future and hope of tomorrow. We give you our money. We give you our family. We give you our home. We consecrate everything to you, Jesus. Because you are the good shepherd. And we lack nothing. Lead us, Jesus. We pray it in your name. Amen.